0: This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We welcome you this morning to our Sunday worship service from Ocean Lakes Family Campground in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Since this is a podcast of the sermon only, you will not be able to hear our guest singers today or have fellowship with other worshipers who are here. However, we thank God that we can come to you by this method. The subject today is games Christians play, and the scriptural basis is Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. Children today have many games that they enjoy playing, But what kind of games do Christians play or should play? During this morning's sermon, I'm going to be talking about three kinds of games that we should play as Christians if we would add depth and meaning to the kind of abundant life that Jesus came to give us. My prayer is that the message today will be a blessing to you. As summer continues, even with restrictions that we have because of COVID-19, we know that a lot of children each summer, even before this, have looked forward to going to Vacation Bible School. Many different churches throughout our land uh, provide that special time when Vacation Bible School uh, is conducted. I remember several years ago that one very memorable thing happened in a Bible school which, that I was a part of. One of the teachers went to class that morning, and uh, in a time of singing with the boys and girls, she decided she would ask what song they would like to sing. Would it be, Jesus Loves the Little Children of the World, or Maybe Jesus Loves Me This I Know? Well, one little boy spoke up, raised his hand with a special request to sing his favorite song teacher said, honey, what's your song? He said, Elvira, my heart's on fire for Elvira. Well, well, since my mind has been on children this past week and vacation Bible school during all these days, which some have not been able to have, uh, I remembered a little book which I read some years ago entitled Games Christians Play. That book was actually a takeoff on the way many professing Christians live and the things we do. And when we stop to think about it, we might name several games that Christians play. In fact, I've used those three words as a title of the message for this morning. One game, which is far too often played on Sunday morning, is a game that uh, I call post-doxology, pre-benediction. It's a quite simple game. All you have to do is to arrive for the worship service just after the doxology, and you leave just before the benediction post-doxology, pre-benediction. Another game some people play at any time of the week is called righteous indignation. And the way you play this game is to get fiery mad at someone or something, so angry, in fact, that you just blow up and have a lot of unkind things to say. And then after it's all over, you realize this might not have been the best thing to do after all. So you sit back and fold your hands. You say, Even Jesus had righteous indignation at times, and so you think that justifies your actions. Well, there are a lot of other games I'm sure that Christians do play that should not play, but this morning, let's look at some positive ways that Christians should act. I want to suggest three games that Christians should play, games that would add meaning and depth to any life, and all three of these games I'm going to mention may be similar to games that you have played when you were a child. The first of these games is what I call follow the leader. You remember that? Almost every boy or girl has played this game at one time or another. Simple way to play, one person is chosen to be the leader, and everyone else must do exactly as the leader does, or the one who fails to do so must go to the end of the line. Moses and the children of Israel played this game. Just before they took possession of the land which God had promised them, they received the Ten Commandments from the Lord. And then there follows in the book of Deuteronomy a long catalog of teachings which this leader gave his people. In one sense, Moses was the leader of his people. But in the eighth chapter of Deuteronomy, we have this man's words which indicate otherwise. Let me read, beginning with Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting with verse 1. I'll begin with the King James Version, and then uh, a few verses later i want to switch over to the Living Bible. This is God's Word. Thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee, these 40 years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And then beginning with verse three from the living Bible. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you, both to you and your ancestors. He did it to help you realize that food isn't everything and that real life comes by obeying every command of God. For all these 40 years, your clothes haven't grown old, your feet haven't been blistered or swollen. So you should realize that as a man punishes his son, so the Lord punishes you to help you. That's the words of Moses, and Moses recognized that it was God who had led them all the way. This is what he will do if his people are willing to follow. This is the same thing that we sing sometimes in one of our hymns. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of his love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit, clothed immortal, wings its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages. Jesus led me all the way. I heard a speaker some years ago tell about an elderly man in Gokwe Reserve, formerly a nation known as Rhodesia, today uh, Zimbabwe. Some time ago, he said, this man walked many miles to the city of Gautuma because he heard that someone there could tell him the value of some unfamiliar pieces of paper which he had come to possess. Those pieces of paper bore some words in English which he could not understand. But somebody has suggested that he may have a fortune in his hand, since he was told that the word dollar was on one of those pieces of paper. Our missionaries there in that country had to tell this man when he arrived, after having walked many miles, that the paper he thought was a fortune. Yes, it was money, all right, but it was only play money, not the real thing. And it was difficult, the missionaries said, to make that man understand that his money was no good. There's so many people, both in Zimbabwe and other countries, as well as in America, who believe that they have found the key to life, but who know only a counterfeit joy because they're not following the real Savior, Jesus Christ. He alone is the real leader whom we must follow. All other paths lead us only to disappointment. Follow the leader. But there's another game we might play. And I remember playing this game as a boy called King on the Mountain. I used to play this game when several of us would happen to be near a pile of sand or sawdust. One boy would stand up on the top, acting like a king, thumping his chest in victory. And others of us would try to upset that king, bring him down, so that we could then take the place of the king on the mountain. You can imagine the feeling of victory and pride that one had when we could stay up on top as long as we could and be the king. Well, Christians today need to capture this spirit of joy and victory, which can be theirs, if only they knew it. We don't have to wait until we die and inherit our heavenly home for this joy to be ours. The message of Christ is sufficient now to change lives, to give victory, even in this life. I recall so vividly hearing one of our missionaries tell about a trip he made to the island of Ustupo, which is one of the many islands of the San Blas Islands off of Panama. He told how the rains began to fall one time and how the people of that island began to worry that their island was becoming inundated with water. They feared that the gods were angry, and unless the gods were appeased, the water might cover their island. And so in order to soothe and please an angry god, therefore, these people decided to offer up a human sacrifice. A young man, only 24 years old, was chosen to be poisoned as a sacrifice to their God. All night long, our missionary said that he slept very little. But with the coming of dawn, as he heard the screams and terrified sobs of a heartbroken mother and grandmother, he knew then that the terrible sacrifice had been made. This missionary told also of one man who had gone to another remote area for the purpose of bringing to his people some animal that they might eat. They had eaten no solid food in quite some time, so this man and others had gone hunting. While they were gone, one of them happened to be bitten by a deadly snake, and so immediately they sent for the village witch doctor. This man could not be brought to the village, for that would displease the gods, they thought. So he lay out there in the jungle all night, The witch doctor arrived the next morning, but they could not move the man now because it was day, and they thought if they moved him by day, then the evil spirits would see where he was taken. They had to wait until the cover of darkness. Finally, the man was moved and put in isolation, but as might be expected, two days later, he went out into eternity. The missionary continued by telling us that the villagers dug a small grave, no casket, no embalming, of course. They buried the man. And on top of the grave, they put a dish of food, a candle, and then they ran a little string from the grave down to a little dugout canoe in the water. They believed that almost all Indians would eventually go to the happy hunting ground and they were hereby providing for him some food for the journey, a light to guide him, and a string to lead him to his canoe for his trip. This missionary whom I heard tell these stories said that he wanted so much to stand up and tell those people, you don't need a dish of food, for I have a Savior who is the bread of life, who said, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. You don't need a candle, for I have a Savior who is the light of the world, who said, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You don't need a string and a dugout canoe to show your dead friend the way, because I have a Savior who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today, we don't have to go to some remote tropical island to find primitive people who are without Christ. Even here in what we call enlightened America, there are so many whose lives do not demonstrate the victory and the joy that God has waiting to give them. They're all around us. Maybe even you might be one of these who does not know the abundant life that Jesus has for you. That life can be yours today. There's one other game that Christians should play, and I had a difficult time trying to find a name for this one. It's a game we used to play, but I think it's just one we made up rather than a well-known game. I call it Big People. We used to be riding along in a car, and all of a sudden somebody would say, let's play Big People. Then everybody would sit up real straight in the car, so much so that we often couldn't even see out of the top of the windows. Our head touched the top of the car. And you can see this was long before the days of seatbelts. Perhaps a variation of this game might be seen as some little girls decide they wanna play grown up. So they go to the closet and get out mama's high heel shoes and put on her old dress and smatter their face with lips, uh, face and lips with lipstick and rouge. How desperately do we need today Christians who are willing to play this game of big people, not just by adding on more weight, of course, but by pretending to be something, or not by pretending to be something we're not, but rather by being big-spirited in the things of life that really do count, by being the kind of individuals who cause light and love to shine in the faces of other people. Many years ago, I heard about a young, poor boy who was selling goods from door to door to pay his way through school, and he found that he had only one thin dime left, and he was hungry. He decided he would ask for a meal at the next house. However, he lost his nerve when a lovely young woman opened the door. Instead of a meal, he asked her for a drink of water. She thought he looked hungry, and so she brought him not a glass of water, but a large glass of milk. He drank it slowly and then asked, ma'am, how much do I owe you? You don't owe me anything, she replied lovingly. Mother taught us never to accept pay for a kindness. The young boy said, ma'am, I thank you from my heart. And as the young boy, whose name was Howard Kelly, left that house, he not only felt stronger physically, but his faith in God and mankind was strong also. He had been ready to give up and quit. Many years passed. Many years later, that young woman became critically ill. The doctors were baffled. They finally sent her to the big city, where they called in specialists to study her rare disease. Dr. Howard Kelly, was called in for the consultation. When he heard the name of the town where this woman came from, a strange light filled his eyes. Immediately he rose and went down the hall of the hospital to her room. Dressed in his doctor's gown, he went to see her. He recognized her at once. He went back to the consultation room, determined to do his best to save her life he realized she was the one who had given him the glass of milk. And from that day, he gave special attention to this case. After a long struggle, the battle was won. Dr. Kelly requested the business office in the hospital to pass the final bill for this lady to him for approval. He looked at her bill and then he wrote something on the edge of the bill that was sent to her room. She was afraid to open it, for she knew it would take the rest of her life to pay for it all. She had no insurance. Finally, she looked at the bill, and something caught her attention on the side of the bill, and she read these words, your bill has been paid in full with one glass of milk. You might be able this morning to think of some other games that Christians might play. I've suggested only three today. In the same sense in which a child is thrilled by playing games, whether it's maybe in vacation Bible school at home or on a school playground, even so, those of us who know Jesus can find joy and peace which he has waiting for us. The abundant life can be ours when we're willing to follow Christ, our leader, when we're willing to radiate and share with others what Jesus has done for us, giving evidence of our present victory in him, even as he is the king on the mountain, and also by ridding our life of petty trifles, which would rob us and other people of that joy and peace as we decide that by God's help, we're going to be a big person in spirit. There's some very familiar words in the 11th chapter of Isaiah, verse 6, where we read, and a little child shall lead them. Perhaps we all have something we can learn from little children. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Oh God, give us ears to hear not just the preacher's words this morning, but to hear your still small voice as you speak to us, offering us the abundant life that Jesus, your son, brings to us. Father, if there's even one person listening to my voice right now who does not know Jesus personally, may this be the time that that one will say, yes, I want Jesus to forgive my sins, to cleanse my life, and to give me a new beginning. And that can happen right now. So Father, help me to be willing to do what you call me to do right now, we pray. And all this, our prayer we offer in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.